1: Welcome to Gospel Tangents, the best source for Mormon history, science, and theology, and first daily Mormon history podcast. I'm Rick Bennett. A while back, I presented at the Firm Foundation conference, and I'd like to thank Ryan Nelson uh, from the Firm Foundation for allowing me to share this with you. This is my presentation where we talked about different geography theories. And in this first part, I talked about some stuff that a lot of Heartlanders think is a settled case, which is DNA. And we also talked a little bit about geology. So I actually quote from uh, Simon Southerton, Thomas Murphy, and Ugo Perego. Actually, I let them do their own speaking at the Firm Foundation. So you won't want to miss this conversation. Check it out. All right, I'm glad to be here today. Um, Rod and I have a couple of things, or one thing that's in common. We love to talk about the Book of Mormon, especially Book of Mormon Geography Theories. The difference is Rod thinks there's one and only truth theory and I like to talk about all of them. There's like, we're gonna go over about 16 today. Um, I actually gave a presentation like this about a year ago and I've found about five new ones in the last three or four months. So this is gonna be new. Some of these are so new that I don't even know that much about them. So anyway, um, before we we go into that, I want to talk a little bit about the main categories of theories. We kind of have internal theories, the old world, which is a little bit more expansive than, than uh, I think most people go into, the new world, and then the theory that I find least interesting but the ones who aren't believers are in the Book of Mormon, Joseph made it up. So I will give a, give a nod to them just to know that I'm covering everything here, so I- including that. Um, Before we jump into these theories, one of the things I'd like to do is talk a little bit about some considerations that I think most people don't spend a lot of time uh, talking about. And uh, I had Jerry Grover on. He's actually speaking tomorrow, I understand, here at the Firm Foundation. He has a book, a fantastic book, called Geology of the Book of Mormon. And so the idea here is most, most people haven't looked at the Book of Mormon from a geological point of view. And so Jerry does that. He's got a background in geology. Um, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to be giving pros and cons to all the theories. Uh, personally, I am not married to any one theory. I just think it's a fun thing to talk about. And um, so Jerry thinks that you know, in the in Third Nephi, the destruction, um, in, in order to explain the myths of darkness and the earthquakes and everything, he believes that. Uh, that sounds a lot like volcanic activity. If you remember Mount St. Helens, big ash cloud. um, He says actually it took a lot of Mount St. Helens to do what happened in the Book of Mormon. And so he actually, you know, Mesoamerica, I think people are kind of familiar with that. We'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. He thinks that's actually a best fit. Uh, It has the number of volcanoes and uh, fault lines um, there's another theory that we're going to be talking about today, the Yucatan Peninsula, and he says that's the most seismically stable area in Central America. Um, I did ask him about the Heartland theory. and you know, the Heartland, you, you all, most of you here are Heartlanders. Um, he doesn't think the New Madrid fault fits geologically with the destruction found in the Book of Mormon. So I'm just kind of giving you guys a little preview on that. But, um, you know, a lot of people have asked him. Let's, let's look at, at some of these other uh, theories. And you're gonna see, I've, I think I have 16 of them. Um, and he says, well, it's, it takes a lot of work to actually go through and look at all the papers on volcanoes and that sort of thing. So I've got a link to his book here. Um, if you wanna test any theory, the Heartland Theory, Baja, Melee, all of them, um, you can kind of use his book uh, as, as a guidebook. Another consideration that I think uh, people don't pay much attention to is languages. You know, if we believe that Lehi came to America, there should be some semblance of of Hebrew. And so Brian Stubbs has written a book called Changes in Languages from Nephi to Now. And um, so once again, it's kind of geographically agnostic. he claims that Ute and Aztec languages, known as Uto-Aztecan, bear a lot of similarities to Hebrew. Now, Ute and Aztec people are in the southwest of the United States. doesn't really match any uh, current geographies theory, perhaps Baja. We'll talk about Baja here in a little bit. But I, I believe that uh, language of Native Americans and, and any matches to Hebrew is a very under, understudied area of the Book of Mormon. Um, and I will even, you know, mention, I mentioned this to Brant Gardner, who's a, a big Mezzo proponent and, uh, he doesn't like Brian's work mainly because he, did, it didn't match with Mezzo. So <laughs> the idea here is Jerry and, and Brian are two people who are not really here to back up any one theory. Although I will say Jerry kind of leans towards Mezzo. Um, but, uh. These are, these are things that I think are two, two understudied areas here of the Book of Mormon. Now, I know a lot of Heartlanders um, really liked, we, you know, DNA is, is a big issue with the Book of Mormon. A lot of people are saying there's no DNA matches uh, to Native Americans. And uh, I know Rod has been a, a big proponent of the X2A. And one of the things I love about Rod is, you know, and, and also Jonathan Neville, he wants people to have open ideas and open um, thoughts about these. And so he's allowing me, and I thank you, Rod, for giving a contrary point of view. And so I've got a, a little video. This is Simon Southernton. Um, he's he's not a former believer. He, he doesn't believe anymore. But uh, he takes issue with um, the X2A. And so I'm going to let, uh, hopefully you guys will be able to hear this, uh, Simon from his own words, uh, talk about the X2A uh, DNA match here.
2: The, the X is a name for a huge cluster of very ancient, it's a very ancient family of mitochondrial DNA lineages. So there's an X1 branch, two major branches, X1 and X2. And then in the X2 branch, there's X2A right through to J, I think is, is the last one. And it's in the X2A or the X2G lineage that Native, we find in Native Americans, mostly X2, uh, X2A. And uh, all of the other X2 lineages are in Eurasia somewhere. And one of them is amongst the Druze. And, and that's the one that Meldrum has paid all his attention to. It is, an unreli- it is very distantly related. They're, they're, they share a common ancestor about 30,000 years ago. So his claim is completely wrong. The X2A lineage in Native Americans has been there since uh, the original founders. Hugo Perego's done some beautiful work on the X lineage, and he's
1: found that it's arrived very early on, same time. Okay, so you're saying that the X2A that's in North America got here before Lehigh did? Yeah. So. The, well. Allegedly. If we believe that have came
2: here, it would have been,
1: yeah, it's, it's too It's or 14,000 years ago or, or earlier. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, summary, he says it's way too old. Since he mentioned Ugo Perego, I had Ugo on my show as well and uh, back in 2017, and uh, he talks a little bit more uh, about uh, X2A.
3: The claim that uh, this particular DNA marker, called X2A, uh, found in North America, is the proof of Book of Mormon remnants or Book of Mormon legacy from the Middle East, it is a good thinking, but it is not funded. Okay, research today, as we have data, as we have today, does not support that at all. In fact, are you familiar with the Kenwick man? A little bit. Catholic man was uh, a um, skeleton found on the Columbia River uh, in the state of Washington and uh, you know, close to, to the, the, the Canadian border. And uh, is dated between 8,000 to 9,000 years with carbon dating. He has features that look like very much Europeans or non-typical Native American. A few years ago, the whole genetic sequence was done on him and his DNA is Native American. And he belongs to X-2A, which is the same marker that uh, is the one that Rod Meldrum says is for the Great Lakes. But it's found in uh, on the west, northwest coast, close to the Beringia Passage, right? It is the oldest X-2A found in America. I mean, in all the others are a subgroup of that one. So it's been here the the longest, right? Is that the 8 to 9,000? His autosomal DNA is all Native American, so it's not European, right? But he has this X2A. And so what is, and and besides, X2A has never been found in in the Middle East. Other X lineages have been found in the Middle East, but not this particular one. And X2A is now younger than the Middle Eastern. Lineages, meaning it did not come from them, genealogically, right? Uh, we call it phylogenetically in uh, in, uh, um, in genetics, which means genealogically, you you have a father and you have a daughter, a daughter or a son. You never have the son in a in a, in your pedigree before you have the father. Does that make sense? If there is an order of, uh, so the X2A in America is not a daughter of the X's in, uh, in the Middle East. As of today, they've never found any X2A in any other part of the world but the Americas and because of the Kenwick man has these features, it seems to me to point more toward uh, a I arrival like the others. In fact, we are publishing a new paper um, with a group in um, at the University of Illinois on uh, ancient X2A samples found in Alaska.
1: Okay. Of course, Ugo was the one who uh, wrote the Gospel Topics essay. He's a population geneticist. Uh, I'll just add that as well. And then finally, I know I've been hitting the, the DNA hard. Uh, my last expert here is uh, Dr. Thomas Murphy, um, who t- taught at Edmonds College up in Washington. Basically,
0: there's, this, there's a branch of uh, the X-lineage called X2A
2: uh, that is unique to Native Americans. Uh, and this X-lineage... Uh, there are other branches of X lineage that are found in uh, Europe, in Asia, and in Africa.
0: Uh, and Meldrum keys in on uh, that and, and calls it I don't know, European DNA or Middle Eastern DNA. Well, <laughs> yeah, it is found in the Middle East, but it's also found in Europe, it's
3: also found in Asia, it's also African. We could call it African DNA. Uh, but that doesn't help his
1: story, right? Well, that would help with the black lamonites, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. and so, uh, so he, he tries to present this, uh, these
0: other branches of the X-lineage uh, as somehow evidence that there were people of uh, Middle Eastern ancestry or ancient Near East ancestry in the Americas. That's not what the DNA evidence shows. That those are separate lineages that never came to the Americas. The only lineage that came to the Americas is that X-2A.
1: Uh, and it is, uh, A, you know, separated, oh, if I remember the date right, oh, 40,000 years ago, if I remember right. Which is a little earlier than Lehi, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, way, way earlier. So anyway, those are some, some things that I just wanted to, to bring up uh, off the top. I hope you enjoyed our conversation about geology and DNA in the Book of Mormon. In our next conversation, we're going to talk about some old world geography theories. Let's talk about the Jaredite crossing. This was something I just found out on Monday. I just added this slide this morning, literally this morning. Um, and there's a guy named Blair Bryant. I believe he's a Community of Christ member. I might, He might not be, but I think I'm pre- pretty sure he is. Um, he was talking about the Jaredites, you know, with their barges. And uh, basically, he proposes that the Jaredites came across China. Of course, one of the benefits of that is... A lot of the DNA experts believe that the Book of Mormon has Asian DNA, and so this would explain why they have Asian DNA. But, you know, they're just bobbing around in the ocean, and it took the Jaredites 344 days to cross the ocean. If you'd like to hear the entire interview uncut, subscribe on either Patreon or at gospeltangents.com. For just $5 a month, you can hear the entire audio uninterrupted. On our $10 tier, if you'd like to see the whole video, you can see that uh, either on youtube.com gospeltangents gospel tangents, or I've got a special Facebook group devoted for uh, full videos. So g- subscribe at gospeltangents.com and uh, sign up for just $10 a month. For $20 a month, if you'd like to get some bonus content, uh, maybe some of the stuff that ended up on the cutting room floor, you can sign up for that. And then if you'd like to talk to me for $100 a month, we'll we'll do a monthly phone call on something like Zoom, and you can ask me anything you want. So thanks again. Also, don't forget about the merch, mugs, t-shirts, hats, things like that. I'm trying to get the ties up there. Hopefully I can get up up there. And uh, thanks again for watching Gospel Tangents. And click here for some more videos.
0: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies.